Hello, and welcome to another episode of Dr. J's American Passages. I'm Dr. J. Today's American Passage is a short chapter from Kate Chopin's 1899 novel, The Awakening. The Awakening, like Catherine Maria Sedgwick's Hope Leslie, was rediscovered and brought to the fore by feminist scholars in the 1970s. The Awakening, though, is a much more modern novel, requiring a more thoughtful approach to understanding the tragedy of its central character, Edna Pontellier, than it's often given by even its most admiring readers. Part of a more thoughtful approach involves consideration of Chopin's thoughts on what it means to be an American, thoughts that perhaps are more negative than positive in contrast to Sedgwick's embrace of America as a place of new opportunity. The first words we hear spoken in The Awakening are, Allez-vous-en, allez-vous-en, sapristi, that's all right. They are spoken by a green and yellow parrot on a Sunday morning in the community building of a resort on Grand Isle off New Orleans. Both the exotic bird and its combination of French with a little English quickly set the scene, a relaxed summer community of well-to-do French-speaking Creoles. It's in this setting that Edna Pontellier first experiences the emotional and sexual awakening that will lead her to reject her role as a wife and mother, though she is both married and the mother of two little boys a rejection that leads to tragedy. The challenge of the awakening is in trying to understand why an awakening should lead to tragedy. The easy answer, and the one embraced by the feminist critics who resurrected the awakening, is that Edna is suffocated by the patriarchal society around her. But another way of reading the awakening suggests that the Creole society she's in isn't the source of her tragedy, but rather that she succumbs to an Americanness foreign to the New Orleans Creoles, an Americanness that both she and her admirers have internalized. Edna's awakening has not yet begun in this early chapter, yet we see already that she is not suited for the life expected of her. The chapter opens with her husband feeling that somehow Edna isn't the mother to his boys that she should be, though he himself pays them little attention, as when he is on the island for the weekends, he stays in the city during the week, he spends more time with his male friends smoking cigars, drinking whiskey, and shooting billiards than he spends with either his wife or children. Edna is not like the upper-class Creole mother women, while other mothers flutter around their children, babying them, Edna's, we're told, are left to fend for themselves, like little John Wayne's. We then meet one of these Creole mother women, perhaps the most exemplary of them all, Madame Radignol, who is also Edna's good friend. Madame Radignol is both beautiful and completely domestic. She is devoted to her children. She has four, and perhaps another is on the way. We can sense already a world that is suffocating Edna in the way we've come to expect of stories of women's liberation. Strict gender roles, 
a negligent, judgmental husband, women who are wives and mothers first and foremost. But now the chapter takes an unexpected turn. And it's for this turn that I've chosen this chapter for today, because it's where the question of what is an American and how Edna embodies Americanness appears. Though by virtue of being married to one, she is living among them, Edna is not a Creole. The Creoles are French-speaking Catholics who still retain much of their European identity. Edna, on the other hand, is the daughter of a Kentucky Presbyterian minister. Though the Creoles may be American citizens, Edna is an American. The distinction is made with the differing terms of address Chopin uses for her and for her friend. Her friend is Madame Radignol. She is Mrs. Pontellier. And while in a modern American feminist novel, we would certainly expect both the Catholicism and the attachment to old Europe we see in the Creoles to be oppressive cultural presences, in the awakening, as we'll see, this may not be the case. As Madame Radignol and Mrs. Pontellier spend an afternoon together, a third figure is present. Robert, a young man who we've already been told, attaches himself each summer to a different female, perhaps a child, perhaps an old widow, but more often one of the married women, giving this person his total attention and devotion. In a past summer, it had been Madame Radignol who treated him, and still treats him, as a not unpleasant nuisance. This summer his devotion is given to Edna, but she will make the mistake of taking him seriously. The roots of her mistake, and the tragedy that follows, can be found in the difference between Edna and Madame Radignol, the difference between an American and a Creole. To be concise, Edna's American Presbyterian upbringing, her Americanness, have left her ignorant not just of her sexuality and her body, but of life. Let's listen. It would have been a difficult matter for Mr. Pontellier to define to his own satisfaction or anyone else's wherein his wife failed in her duty toward their children. It was something which he felt rather than perceived, and he never voiced the feeling without subsequent regret and ample atonement. If one of the little Pontellier boys took a tumble whilst at play, he was not apt to rush crying to his mother's arms for comfort. He would more likely pick himself up, wipe the water out of his eyes and the sand out of his mouth, and go on playing. Tots as they were, they pulled together and stood their ground in childish battles with doubled fists and uplifted voices, which usually prevailed against the other mother tots. In short, Mrs. Pontellier was not a mother woman. The mother women seemed to prevail that summer at Grand Isle. It was easy to know them, fluttering about with extended protecting wings when any harm, real or imaginary, threatened their precious brood. They were women who idolized their children, worshipped their husbands, and esteemed it a holy privilege to efface themselves as individuals and grow wings as ministering angels. 
Many of them were delicious in the role. One of them was the embodiment of every womanly grace and charm. If her husband did not adore her, he was a brute deserving of death by slow torture. Her name was Adele Radignol. There are no words to describe her save the old ones that have served so often to picture the bygone heroine of romance and the fair lady of our dreams. There was nothing subtle or hidden about her charms. Her beauty was all there, flaming and apparent. The spun gold hair that neither comb nor confining pin could restrain. The blue eyes that were like nothing but sapphires. Two lips that pouted, that were so red one could only think of cherries or some other delicious crimson fruit in looking at them. She was growing a little stout but it did not seem to detract an iota from the grace of every step. One would not have wanted her white neck a mite less full or her beautiful arms more slender. Never were hands more exquisite than hers, and it was a joy to look at them when she threaded her needle or adjusted her golden thimble to her tapered middle finger as she sewed away on the little night drawers or fashioned a bodice or a bib. Madame Radignole was very fond of Mrs. Pontellier, and often she took her sewing and went over to sit with her in the afternoons. She was sitting there the afternoon of the day the box arrived from New Orleans. She had possession of the rocker, and she was busily engaged in sewing upon a diminutive pair of night drawers. Madame Radignole had brought the pattern of the drawers for Mrs. Pontellier to cut out a marvel of construction, fastened to enclose a baby's body so effectually that only two small eyes might look out from the garment like an Eskimo's. They were designed for winter wear, when treacherous drafts came down chimneys and insidious currents of deadly cold found their way through keyholes. Mrs. Pontellier's mind was quite at rest concerning the present material needs of her children, and she could not see the use of anticipating and making winter night garments the subject of her summer meditations. But she did not want to appear unamiable or uninterested, so she had brought forth newspapers, which she spread upon the floor of the gallery, and under Madame Radignol's directions, she had cut a pattern of the impervious garment. Robert was there, seated as he had been the Sunday before, and Mrs. Pontellier also occupied her former position on the upper step, leaning listlessly against the post. Beside her was a box of bonbons, which she held out at intervals to Madame Radignole. That lady seemed at a loss to make a selection but finally settled upon a stick of nougat, wondering if it were not too rich, whether it might possibly hurt her. Madame Radignol had been married seven years. About every two years, she had a baby. At that time, she had three babies and was beginning to think of a fourth one. She was always talking about her condition. Her condition was in no way apparent, and no one would have known a thing about it but for her persistence in making it the subject of conversation. Robert started to reassure her, 
asserting that he had known a lady who had subsisted upon nougat during the entire. But seeing the color mount in Mrs. Pontellier's face, he checked himself and changed the subject. Mrs. Pontellier, though she had married a Creole, was not thoroughly at home in the society of Creoles. Never before had she been thrown so intimately among them. There were only Creoles that summer at Le Brun's. They all knew each other and felt like one large family, among whom existed the most amicable relations. A characteristic which distinguished the Creoles, and which impressed Mrs. Pontellier most forcibly, was their entire absence of prudery. Their freedom of expression was at first incomprehensible to her, though she had no difficulty in reconciling it with a lofty chastity which in the Creole woman seemed to be inborn and unmistakable. Never would Edna Pontellier forget the shock with which she heard Madame Radignole relating to old Monsieur Faraval the harrowing story of one of her accouchements, withholding no intimate detail. She was growing accustomed to like shocks, but she could not keep the mounting color back from her cheeks. Oftener than once her coming had interrupted the droll story with which Robert was entertaining some amused group of married women. A book had gone the rounds of the pension. When it came her turn to read it, she did so with profound astonishment. She felt moved to read the book in secret and solitude, though none of the others had done so, to hide it from view at the sound of approaching footsteps. It was openly criticized and freely discussed at table. Mrs. Pontellier gave over being astonished and concluded that wonders would never cease. So what is the awakening going to be about? Will it be a feminist critique of a patriarchal society, made worse by being also Catholic and European, as today's American feminist critics read it? Or will it be a critique of American Protestant society? If the latter, American feminism might have to be excused for misreading it. American feminism, like most American cultural phenomena, has its roots in American puritanical Protestantism. To begin with, Americans, including American feminists, are very suspicious of beauty. Beauty is superficial. But is Madame Radignol presented here as superficial? Her beauty doesn't keep her from sewing or from her obligations to her children. Does she even feel the needs of her children as obligations, or as a pleasant and satisfying part of her life? Americans are also much conflicted about bodies, their own and those of others, and in this case this is something American feminists are emphatic in rejecting. But Madame Radignol's body is not a battleground between herself and the men around her. She is completely comfortable with her body, talking openly about her experiences in labor with old Monsieur Fireval, withholding no intimate detail, something unthinkable to Edna. Sex itself is something to be openly discussed. Robert tells off-color stories to married women without causing offense. A French novel, 
and we Americans all know what the term French novel means, is being discussed by men and women together, but Edna finds just reading it, never mind talking about it, shameful. All of this is perfectly in keeping with European feminism, which lacks America's Puritanism. Rather than simply blaming patriarchy for Edna's tragedy, and nowhere do we find anyone resisting Edna when she decides to live alone and be a painter, not even her husband, we might look at her American immaturity on sexual matters. If Edna had been more worldly, more European, would she have seen Robert's attention to her for what it was, a failure to grow up? Could she have recognized her own awakening as a similar failure to grow up, a failure in her case, unlike Robert's, since unlike Robert, she has committed herself to adult life, with tragic consequences. The awakening was met by hostile reviews in America, and Kate Chopin gave up writing novels, though she continued to write short stories, that the awakening was too scandalous for American readers could not have been a complete surprise to her, however discouraging it was. American prudery, American sexual immaturity, is after all what the awakening is about. Had the awakening been published in France, it would certainly not have been a scandal. Its beauty, I'm quite sure, would have been admired. I'm also quite sure it would have been understood very differently than American readers understood it then, or even now. They would have recognized it as a critique, not of marriage and patriarchy, but of American Puritanism. One American reader, though she disapproved of the awakening, perhaps had a better understanding of it than is common today. Willa Cather, then 26 and not yet the great novelist she herself would become, called the awakening an American Madame Bovary. No one thinks of Madame Bovary, great as it is, as a feminist novel. It is a novel of French bourgeois immaturity, exemplified in the title character. Ironically, Madame Bovary's tragedy comes from reading French novels. Edna's comes from not reading French novels. Nevertheless, I don't think that any compliment could be better or more accurate than to call The Awakening an American Madame Bovary. Like Madame Bovary, it is a beautiful, heartbreaking novel. Until next time, I'm Dr. J.